Welcome to this week's energy show. Now this week, we're explaining why our electric grid is so unreliable. Now if you haven't noticed, it seems to keep getting worse and worse. There's more and more blackouts, they're extending for more and more time, and they're more and more painful because more and more of our life is really using electricity, lighting, vehicles, cooking, heating, etc. So the impact of an unreliable electric grid is getting worse and worse. So I'm just kind of looking back, when I moved to California from New Jersey, I was surprised that there were frequent blackouts in California. Now, California, where we live in Silicon Valley, there's no snow. We don't have ice like in New Jersey. The power lines are many times underground, so there's no breeze falling on the power lines in many neighborhoods. But still, my power in California went out a few times a year, sometimes for a few hours, sometimes for a few days. Clearly, the electric grid is less reliable in California than in other places, and, and it's really gotten worse. So I was kind of curious about why, and I recently saw an article that talked about a report that was done by the consulting firm E3 that details six of the trends that are making the grid's reliability worse. And here's the six trends that they list. I've translated some of them into plain English. There's more customers, therefore more demand for electricity. That's number one. Number two, we're retiring existing coal and gas plants. Yes. Number three, there's an increasing dependency on renewables, storage, and distributed resources. That's what they say that's causing unreliability. We're having more extreme weather events. There's an increased risk of drought. And there's a tightening of electricity markets in the West. By the way, E3 is very biased towards utilities, not ratepayers. They do consulting for utilities, and, and a lot of the work they do is just flat out wrong. They're the, let me just use the term loosely, bozos, did the report that found that there was such a big cost shift for net metering, and then solar customers should get a five cent a kilowatt hour reimbursement rate. It was kind of ridiculous. But, but anyway, these six points are, are kind of interesting, and I'm going to just respond to them or kind of go into details. Now, I don't doubt that these are all trends that are making the grid less reliable to one degree or another. But you know what? They're all almost totally predictable. Every single one of these things we could have foreseen at least five years ago, and they're still making the grid less reliable. And I hate to say it, but we're really not addressing these issues very much other than just raising electric rates. So when I look at the reason for so many local blackouts here in Silicon Valley, here in California, the biggest reason is that our utility, which happens to be PG&E, does a really crummy job doing preventive maintenance. Man, if they were in charge of our vehicles, we, we would be having breakdowns all the time. PG&E waits for local transformers to be overloaded and literally blow up. Eh, then it's time to fix it. They know what's going on, but they just wait. They actively do everything they can, I mean everything, to discourage more local solar and storage that would solve these transformer issues, that they solve these local problems very quickly, in fact. So I call BS on this E3 report. The reality, from a utility perspective, from this report's perspective, many utilities are going to continue to defer their maintenance and discourage solar and storage to maximize the profits that the utilities get and the executive bonuses that they get. Nevertheless, the trends in this report will make reliability even worse for two obvious reasons. First, more electricity demand, and second, 
less conventional electricity supply. So as we continue to ignore these obvious facts, more demand and less supply, this electric unreliability problem is going to continue and rates are going to continue to go up. All right. So now let's just dive into these six factors, right? First, number one, load growth. That's the uh, demand for electricity. Load growth due to electrification and new large customers. So there's more demand for electricity because we're electrifying things. We're electrifying our vehicles. We're electrifying our heating. We're electrifying our cooking. Basically more demand, no surprise. States are moving aggressively to eliminate fossil fuels. We're continuing to reduce the use of natural gas for heating and cooking. I mean, here in California, basically for many new developments, you can't put in natural gas. Heat pumps are the recommended way of heating, and a lot of places are saying, hey, we want electric cooking. And candidly, as some who's using it, they work great. The state wants to completely transition to electric vehicles in like another 15 years. And more houses, more businesses, more people, more customers in California, obviously electric demand is going to keep going up. This demand factor has been blatantly obvious for at least 10 years. I mean, California is growing. The population is going up. And it can be pretty accurately predicted. Obviously, more customers, more demand, plan for it, no excuse for blackouts. All right, trend number two, retirement of coal and gas plants. These trends, these retirements are being done deliberately. It's to improve our environment. It's to reduce CO2 emissions. And and actually, it's also a good way of reducing costs and improving the air. But basically, as coal plants, I think they're all gone in California, and gas plants are being reduced, as they're removed, there's less supply. And the kind of supply that you get from these existing natural gas plants is pretty much all that's left, is called baseload power. Baseload basically means it's always there or it can always be there and particularly is valuable at night when there's not any sun or at night or or times when the wind isn't blowing enough or there may not be enough hydropower in California. So I'd add one more thing onto this list, which E3 ignored, which is we're retiring nuclear plants. There hasn't been a new nuclear plant built in California since 1985. That was the Diablo Canyon plant. That's almost 40 years ago, and we're not building anymore. It's just not going to happen. The reason why the nuclear plants were being decommissioned is because they're not cost-effective. Now, they provide great baseload power, but the power at all other times of the day, it's really expensive, and the maintenance costs are high. It costs billions of dollars to decommission these things. So when you look at all the numbers, it's not economical. Coal plants, not even close to being economical. There's no such thing as clean, cheap coal power. You can get Clean coal power, it's going to be expensive. You can get cheap coal power, it's going to be very dirty. But having clean and and inexpensive is not going to happen. So the coal plant's out, not even close to being economical. Natural gas plants can be kind of marginal. Natural gas is a lot cleaner. It still emits a lot of CO2. But, you know, as far as baseload power, if we need power in the middle of the night or, you know, the late afternoon when solar output goes down, not a bad way to go. Now, utilities have known about these retirements for over 10 years. Less supply. We know there's going to be less supply. It's totally predictable. Once again, no excuse for blackouts. Trend number three, an increasing dependency on renewables, storage, and distributed resources. This is a reason why there's less reliability. Sorry, blaming blackouts on renewables is flat out wrong. Yes, these resources are intermittent. Solar doesn't work at night. Wind isn't always there when you need it. Hydro may not be there if there's a drought. But there are plenty of solutions. 
including storage and including small natural gas turbines. And especially the best solution, the fastest to implement, the cheapest, is local solar, local storage, and local distributed energy resources. These things improve the grid reliability. These are homes putting in batteries. These are companies putting solar on their roof. These are people having controls of their devices so if the utility says hey we're having a shortage of power let's turn off the electric dryer for a while those things can really help it's not really being implemented in any way other than a test basis and the utilities are actively discouraging solar and storage so that's the problem and why why do utilities prevent this because they lose profits when they're installed the utilities would obviously much rather put in their own solar farms their own storage units own storage batteries because then they get a good rate of return on that. Now, the downside of doing that is it raises rates. They get a nice profit on it, which is fine for the utilities, but that makes rates go up even more. And it takes a long time. So it's not happening. What utilities call a problem, the reliability is because of renewables, is also the fastest and cheapest solution to the grid, the fast and cheapest solution for ratepayers. But it's not happening. And why is it fast? Because in a neighborhood, you can have like half a dozen people put solar and storage in in a few months. You can have companies put solar and storage on their roofs and their commercial buildings within less than a year. Really fast. In order to put a utility storage substation in, that's a three to five year process. And in order to put in a new solar farm that may require transmission lines, it could take at least five years. So really, when you look at the economics for renewables, it's cheaper for the economy, cheaper for ratepayers, just to put in more local resources. So that's what we need, but it's not happening that fast, and that's why they're blaming it on renewables. All right, trend number four, increasingly extreme weather. Yes, the summers are now hotter, hot summers, longer summers, more air conditioning demand. The winters are cold, not always in California, but in other places. We got the example of Texas. So colder winter weather used to not really increase electric demand that much. But now that we're converting to heat pumps, which are using electricity for the heat, yes, it's significant there. So both conditions, increase hotter weather, colder weather, require that we plan for more electricity on hot summer days and cold winter nights. And we're not doing that. Now, you, know, you may say, all right, this climate change thing has become really apparent. The trends are there for the last five years. Yes, the trends are there. Are they going to get better? No, it's not going to get better. It's going to continue to get worse. So we got to plan for it. All right. Trend number six, increased risk of drought. Now, you may ask yourself, what difference does a drought make on the reliability of the electric grid? Well, droughts cause two reliability problems. First, when there's less rain and less snow, our reservoirs and our snowpacks have less water in them, and that water is used for hydroelectric generation. So, you know, you look at pictures of these lakes, like Lake Oroville, I mean, they're, they're basically almost empty. You can't generate any power if there's no water in the reservoir. The snowpack started out really, really good for the 2021-22 snow season, but right now it's below average. And that snow melts, obviously. And then that melted water goes into dams and we can use it for hydro. So if there's not a lot of water in the reservoirs and if there's not a, a good snowpack, we're not going to have capacity to generate a lot of electricity on those peak power requirement days. All right, that's the first. Second, dry conditions make it more likely that wildfires will start and grow. 
So when there's an actual fire, the transmission lines are shut down. Sometimes the transmission lines cause those fires and they you know, fall over when they burn. Now, the other thing is windy and dry conditions make it more likely that a public safety power shutoff, PSPS, will be implemented. So looking at this increased risk of drought, it's going to continue. I mean, they're saying that the, the climate in the southwest in the U.S. is the driest it's been in, I think I saw the number, 1,200 years. So our electricity supply is going to need to plan for the fact that there's going to be an increased risk of drought. Okay, trend number six. This is the last one, and it's kind of a good news, bad news. And they characterize it as tightening electricity markets. Now, the United States has long-distance transmission lines that are networked. Now, they're not networked throughout the whole country. They're kind of networked into nine separate grids around the country. And the largest grid is in the western states, and that includes hydroelectricity from the Pacific Northwest, solar in the southwest in the desert, plenty of sun, wind all over, any place where there's a, a windy area, do you see these windmills pop up? So we have lots of renewable supplies. It's intermittent though, but it's also linked to fossil fuel generation. There's a lot of places in the west that are still burning coal. There's a lot of natural gas plants. And what happens within these grids, electricity is bought, is generated, and then it's bought by utilities and sold by generators as needed to meet the local demand. That's one of the tricky things about electricity. You can't store it up. You just have to have that capacity ready to go. Yes, you can store some in batteries. That helps. But when there's a really hot day, you're going to need to have a lot of that electricity generation to turn it on. And that means running these fossil fuel plants. That means draining the reservoirs for hydro. That means depleting batteries. So what happens every year, very hot days in the West, there's not enough electricity. Now, we're able to accommodate it sometimes, but if there's an area where there's just not enough electricity, not enough transmission going in, you may get a blackout. And this happens a few times a year. It also happens on very cold days. Not so much in California, but boy, everybody remembers what happened in Texas last year where there was really cold weather, there was snow. The electricity generation equipment, the natural gas plants, they basically froze up. They weren't able to operate. And so the power prices go up. Now, that happened in Texas, but it also happens in California. Utilities normally pay like three cents a kilowatt hour for electricity during normal times. Of course... You know, and you've heard me say it, they mark that up by 10 times. So your average electricity rate is 30 cents a kilowatt hour, whereas they may be generating it for 3 cents. Put that aside. But when there are shortages, electricity is a commodity. When there's shortages and there's generators that may have some capacity, they raise the price to make more money. That price may go up to a dollar a kilowatt hour. They characterize it in terms of megawatt hours, but $1,000 per megawatt hour, but it's a dollar a kilowatt hour. Compared to 30 cents, which is what we pay as ratepayers, and 3 cents for what they normally pay. So the price could shoot up 30 or 40 times. That's exactly what happened in Texas last year during that cold snap. Some electricity suppliers, they were basically buying power, and they basically said, heck, if we have to pay a dollar a kilowatt hour, and then we're going to sell that electricity for 20 cents, we're going to lose a ton of money. So I guess we're just not going to buy any power, and the power is going to go off. That's what really happened a lot in Texas, to such a degree that there just wasn't enough supply. So there were utilities that were actually paying that high amount, and then it just basically wasn't enough for all the utilities. So these utilities, these electricity suppliers, they just turned off the electricity. This is kind of interesting when you're talking about tightening electricity markets. For generators of electricity and for some electricity sellers, tight markets mean more profits. 
And thinking back to the Enron days from 25 years ago, that's exactly what Enron did. They manipulated the market for electricity. They made a lot of money. They made PG&E go bankrupt. You know, the, the company got sued and out of business. All right. So it's really good to understand why the electricity's grid is unreliable so we can make our own individual's decisions about what to do. Now, one thing is really clear to me is that the utility business model, which causes a lot of these high electricity rates and unreliability issues, that business model's not going to change anytime soon. I really see no momentum in California and elsewhere for that utility business model to change. The utility business model is based on a, a return on assets that they get. The utility's goal is to maximize profits for stockholders. That's their job. That's what the CEO of PG&E's job, maximize profits for stockholders. And you're looking at all the employees there, maximize the bonuses for executives. Utility workers, they don't get a raise for more reliable grid. They get a raise for more profits. And that means two specific things. First, the grid's going to be unreliable for a long time. The factors outlined above are getting worse. They're not getting better. They're not going away. They're getting worse faster than utilities are adding capacity. We're electrifying homes very fast. EVs are selling like crazy. Almost every year we're experiencing record high temperatures and record droughts. Utilities are working on a five to ten year time frame. They're just kind of figuring out that this drought thing's going to go on. And then you know, three years ago, they figured out there was going to be wildfires. And they kind of ignored the fact that we're electrifying everything. So it's going to take them five to ten years to add the resources we need now, not to mention the resources we're going to need ten years from now. So that's the first factor. The grid's going to be unreliable for a long time. Second, this was kind of a shocker to me. Electric rates are going to start going up faster than we've almost ever experienced. Adding capacity is very expensive. Adding transmission lines is ridiculously expensive. I kind of ran the numbers and it looks like it's going to be about $88 billion, give or take, you know, a few billion, to bury the 10,000 miles of transmission lines that PG&E wants to do. Guess who's going to pay for that? Rate payers. Rates are going to go up. And so, That's future rates are going to go up. Well, what's happened recently? Rates went up 11% in 2021. Rates went up 9% already in January in 2022 so far. And there's more rate increases planned for 2022. You got to add in inflation. We're not even really counting the inflation on those two rate increases. So I believe electric rates in California, this is kind of bizarre. I just went through the numbers. They're going to continue to go up at about 10% a year. Now, 15 years ago, the rates were going up at about 3% a year. Seven or eight years ago, they were going up at about 6% a year. Last two years, they went up 10%. I don't see any in insight. So with utilities focused on maximizing their profits at the expense of reliability, and our electric rates going up at a 10% pace per year, there's only two things that you can do about it, whether you're a homeowner or a business. The first, and I encourage all you to do this, is complain to your politicians. Send letters and emails to the governor, to your representatives, to the Public Utilities Commission to rein in the rates. Now, they're not going to just say, oh, you can't just say, hey, lower the rates. You're going to have to say, hey, do things differently. Otherwise, the rates are going to keep going up. Put in more local solar and storage. Put caps on executive bonuses. Don't allow utilities to lobby the government. There's things that can be done that aren't just screaming about the high rates that will eventually lower those rates. You got to remember the utilities spend tens of millions of dollars per year lobbying our politicians. They're one of the biggest contributors to Governor Newsom. 
directly from the utilities or indirectly through, say, the IBEW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. And also keep in mind that any changes to the generation of electricity in California and the U.S. and transmission that could reduce costs, it's going to take at least five years. And remember, utilities have really no incentive at all to lower rates. They like the high rates because it means they're going to make more profits. So that's one. All you can do is talk to your politicians and give them some alternatives. The second, this one's obvious. Yes, self-centered. Install your own solar and battery storage system, whether you buy it from us or anybody else. Whether you're a business or a homeowner, that's the that's kind of the only thing in my mind that you can do. It's the only sure way you can limit your future electricity expenses and have a reliable source of power for the next blackout. That's it. And it works. Millions of people are happy with it. That's my suggestion. Okay, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.